Hey guys, it's Abdul for the good folks over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Get over to Leon Tailoring for that young person who graduated. Congratulations, by the way. And make sure they've got the clothes for that big job interview. Hey, the economy may be good, but you still got to dress for success. And Leon Tailoring, they can help your young person do that with the professional wardrobe and attire that they need. And so all those years of college and getting a degree do not go to waste. So Leon Tailoring, the perfect place to get your young professional off to that start in the world of work. Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware in downtown Indianapolis. Well, lots of things going over at the Indiana General Assembly, particularly in the realm of health care, uh, mental health and health care costs and the whole nine yards. So joining us in studio to talk about all this is a good friend, Brian Tabor, the head of the Indiana Hospital Association. So Brian, my friend, always good to see you. Happy, thanks for being here. Oh, no, uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Uh, so what is the status? So let me start uh, with the overall 30,000 foot question. What is the status of health care and health care costs here in Indiana? Well, uh, the... The healthcare system, I think, is is still strained. Uh, you know, we're still uh, dealing with some of the issues we talked about last time I was with you, Abdul. Uh, workforce shortages, uh, increasing costs uh, of labor, of drugs and supplies. We had uh, a net loss. If you look at all the hospitals combined in the state of Indiana for 2022, uh, lost money uh, as a system. And we see, uh, for many of my members, I've been talking to them the last few days. They see that they will probably lose even more money in 2023. Um, so uh, there's a lot of strain out there in the field, um, but we understand there's a lot of concern about affordability, and we're committed to addressing that, uh, but we need to make sure we do so in a way that doesn't uh, destabilize uh, the care that Hoosiers depend on. Uh, when it comes to health healthcare costs, what are lawmakers doing, and what has you folks in the hospital business concerned? Yeah, um, well, there, there's a lot that's uh, that's being discussed, and uh, some of it's uh, regarding hospitals and hospital prices. But we've seen um, other topics uh, being discussed this session, so uh, pharmacy benefit managers and pharmaceutical costs. There's uh, an agenda bill from the Senate. I think it's Senate Bill 8. I know that's being debated in the House. Uh, a lot of focus on insurance companies uh, as well. Uh, trying to get more transparency in how those premiums are set for individuals and businesses. But certainly, uh, hospitals, um, there's uh, uh, been scrutiny. Um, uh, we're the subject of uh, a few different bills. Uh, uh, worked through the process in House Bill 1004, um, uh, where I think the, uh, the goal was to create more competition uh, and uh, try to reach uh, national averages in, in pricing. Uh, and uh, so our uh, large systems. Uh, I've been, been proud to represent them this session. Talked about our commitment to getting to those national averages and how we can address uh, costs. Um, but uh, we do have some concerns with uh, the turn that that bill uh, took uh, in the Senate the other day. Now, I want to say there was an amendment offered uh, to House Bill 1004, I believe it was, uh, that basically put uh, price caps on what hospitals can and can't charge. Uh, obviously, you guys have a problem with that. Why? Well, uh, for a couple of reasons. One is the the uh, the number uh, that that was chosen. I mean, philosophically, right? We have, I think, a lot of concerns about what what caps uh, would do. Uh, again, I want to restate that you know we were uh, willing and had productive conversations in the House about trying to move towards a system where we do have a target that we're reaching, uh, and that we talk about a mixture of uh, incentives and consequences. You know, to to try to come up with. Um, I think a sustainable plan for affordability. Uh, also, we want it to be comprehensive. We think everybody needs to be at the table. Uh, and 1004 moved out of the House in that direction. Our concern, significant concern with the amendment that you referenced, is that it focus, focuses really solely on hospitals. It takes the penalty that the House added for insurance companies, it takes that penalty out, uh, and, uh, and that the 
the penalties were increased to such a massive degree that it really uh, becomes a cap uh, effectively. Uh, and, uh, and we have a concern with that. And then also the cap is set at a number uh, that proponents will say represents some type of national average. It doesn't. Uh, it, it unfairly represents Indiana. If that number were to pass into law, it would have devastating consequences. So we are hopeful to have more conversations uh, about how to move forward in a productive way, but very concerned about that amendment. Our guest on the program today is our good friend Brian Tabor of the Indiana Hospital Association. Talk about health care. Indiana, of course, uh, health care prices and health care costs. Uh, to a regular person who does understand all the intricacies of the legislature, it was like, hey, my health care bills are ridiculous. What's wrong with the price cap? That what's what's wrong with a with a price cap uh, is that when you look at the the system that we have, uh, it's a complicated system. There's there's no question about that. Um, we have a number of groups who have uh, advocated uh, for price caps on hospital services, uh, and they do so because they they will say that Indiana hospital prices are an outlier. Uh, I think they misrepresent some of that data, but but maybe even more significantly, what they do is leave out all of the things that force costs onto those with commercial insurance. So we have an incredibly underfunded Medicaid program in Indiana when it comes to hospital rates. The Medicaid program pays about 53 cents on the dollar of cost to provide to the uh, hundreds of thousands, the millions of Hoosiers that have Medicaid. And we're proud to take care of Medicaid patients. We take care of everybody that comes through the door. Um, but that shifts costs over to hospitals. Um, our physicians in Indiana, a lot of conversation in the last couple of days over in the General Assembly, uh, I think there's a recognition that insurance companies pay uh, Indiana doctors at about the lowest rates, the third lowest, fourth lowest, according to various studies in the country. Hospitals subsidize that. So the problem with a cap on hospitals as it, as it currently stands is it's sort of squeezing the balloon, um, but there's all this pressure that shifts costs off to hospitals. So rather than have this punitive cap, what we need is we can bring the hospital costs down, but we've got to address those other areas. We've got to reduce that cost shift um, to the commercial insurance by increasing our Medicaid rate. So we hope we can have a holistic conversation that addresses the complexity in healthcare. I think House Bill 1004 was moving in that direction to a degree. Uh, the amendment, I think it takes in a very different direction, but we hope to get it back on track. Because I know this has been a conversation that the lawmakers have been having for at least a couple of years now. Because I remember, uh, I think the Speaker of the Senate President said, if the hospitals can't fix this, then we will fix it. Are they fixing it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, so if we think about, there's a couple major uh, milestones, I think, in, in the healthcare care uh, debate here in Indiana, which is certainly a national debate as well. But you go back to 2020, you and I, Abdul, have a number of conversations about that. I was on your show at the time, uh, right before uh, um, the world sort of ended there and in, uh, with the pandemic. But that session, lawmakers did a lot of excellent work. They passed bills on transparency, ensuring uh, that Hoosiers get an estimate before they have a service, which I know is a big thing for you. We've talked about that with your wife. I think it was a wrist injury, right? We've done- yeah, it was the old classic. If I go to my mechanic and my mechanic can tell me, hey, this is what's going to cost you, you're like, why can't I go to the doctor? Right. Provided nothing else is, there right. are no unforeseen circumstances. Because right. obviously, even being a little bit different creature than my Mitsubishi. I know, because, well, I had my uh, my uh, 
my my Toyota worked on the other day, and uh, uh, let's just say they found quite a few things that were not in the <laughs> estimate. So I, I I you know I always quibble with that analogy, but but anyway, the General Assembly did a lot of great work, and that transparency is absolutely having an effect in the market. Uh, we've seen large health systems around the state with that transparency. It's created some pressure, and that they've negotiated with insurers that have reduced costs. And this is not just the hospital saying, this is the insurance company saying that these some of these new deals have resulted in hundreds of millions of dollars in reduction. We also had health systems like IU Health that came out and said, we're going to freeze prices. Uh, we're going to get to national average. So um, we think actually a number of our members um, have heeded that call. Um, everyone is approaching it differently. Each system, each market in Indiana is unique. Uh, and and so we do feel like we are in a much different place from a consumer transparency uh, perspective, from a competitive perspective, uh, from a, a, a lowering cost perspective. The, one of the challenges, quite frankly, that I have is we're dealing with the numbers – we're numbers that are being put forth uh, by our opponents as part of a campaign that are outdated. Uh, the data in some of these studies is as old as 2018. I think um, if we act rashly now, uh, we're going to look back and say we've overcorrected. So I do think there's an argument to be made that we should let some of that transparency um, continue to bear fruit. Our guest this program today is Brian Tabor. Brian's with the Indiana Hospital Association. We're talking about the state of health care uh, here in Indiana. Uh, Brian, I remember reading recently uh, that hospitals, particularly in rural areas, are being impacted by a lot of this, a lot more than, say, here in Indianapolis in the urban areas. Um are we going? Are we? Are we on the potentially seeing rural hospitals close down? Um, you know, more than pot- uh, potentially, uh, we have seen it. You know, we saw uh, the hospital in Fayette County close in 2019. Uh, we've uh, seen one of the hospitals uh, in Bedford, uh, Indiana, close. Uh, I have a couple of members I know I've talked to over the last few weeks that uh, I think are uh, sort of on the bubble. I, I think it's going to be difficult with the financial pressures I mentioned to make it through 2023 without either closing, um, maybe consolidating, um, although there aren't a lot of systems that are looking for, um, you know, to take on struggling hospitals right now because they're having, uh, they're facing headwinds. Um, But it isn't just rural hospitals. Uh, We have a number of urban safety net hospitals that are struggling. You go up into Lake County, we saw one of those hospitals uh, close in Hammond. one of my members, uh, Methodist Hospital that serves Gary and Maryville, they've been uh, talked about their struggles and their their concerns. They need help from the General Assembly. One of the big pressures up there, Abdul, is uh, Illinois Medicaid. I know you're familiar with that state, and uh, you, you you probably know well that Illinois Medicaid uh, doesn't pay well, if it pays at all. Um, and so sometimes our members are up there serving a tremendous amount of Illinois Medicaid Because you've got people traveling over from Illinois to right. Northwest you've, Indiana. You've got hospitals. Hospitals throughout the state from uh, Vincennes, Terre Haute, all the way up to Hammond, where the hospital um, really had a, a very large payer mix of Illinois Medicaid, they treat a lot of patients with very little reimbursement, um, and that's that's a big strain. So we see that those impacts, not just in the rural area, I think a lot of our urban safety net hospitals are, uh, are in trouble. I want to change gears a little bit and talk about uh, sort of the mental health issue, which is obviously a, a major deal. Uh, here in Indiana. Uh, you've got Indiana lawmakers uh, working to deal with the mental health issue. What What's going on? What needs to be done? Well, it is really amazing uh, to see uh, behavioral health, mental health uh, access uh, be uh, Senate Bill 1 be so center stage. 
Uh, it's uh, I've been around the General Assembly since 98. I've been with the Hospital Association 15 years. And uh, I think mental health was always kind of in its silo. You know, we talked about healthcare, and then there was, oh, let's talk about behavioral health kind of over here as this subspace. And um, we're really talking about it now as part of healthcare. There's, you know, your your physical health care, there's your mental health care, and I think there's a recognition uh, that, that we have uh, for too long put behavioral health in the back seat. So it's, it's terrific uh, to see. Um, we need to make sure it's funded. Uh, and I think that will all depend. Uh, we were chatting earlier about, you know, the budget. Uh, what's the revenue forecast going to look like? Are we going to have enough money to, to do the things that have been set forth? It's an ambitious program. I feel good about that because um, you just look at uh, uh, the momentum that that topic has. I will say that one of my concerns about um, the, the, what happens with behavioral health services, with the public health initiative, all these things we support, if we come out of the session with uh, cuts and, and punitive measures on our hospitals, especially our largest systems that provide really the foundation for delivering those services across the state, if we gut that system, I worry that we may say, hey, we did great work over here, but why are we seeing access points close? So I, what I hope is at the, by the end of this session, we've got, what, two, three weeks left uh, uh, to do that, we look at – Senate Bill 1, Senate Bill 4, and what's going on in House Bill 1004, we need to look at all of that and make sure we don't destabilize the very health care system we're trying to invest in. Um, as we've got a few minutes left here, my friend, um, how much of our health care costs are are basically the, the result of, I, I don't want to use the term lifestyle choices, but I'll just say lifestyle choices. People smoke, they you know, drink, they don't exercise. Uh, there's a, that's absolutely part of cost. Uh, I, I do think, and that's one of the things that's exciting about the governor's initiative to invest in public health. It will help us bend the, that long-term cost curve, um, that uh, we would have lower costs uh, overall. That's different than the conversation around price. Um, uh, I think uh, it's it, it's interesting. We, you know, I think I've been pretty consistent with the way that I, certainly I talk about it. There are critics that'll say we blame Hoosier's health for, you know, price discussions, but, you know, you, you really would have to be, uh, it's kind of absurd to say that it doesn't address costs, impact costs. It absolutely impacts our costs. Um, but we also have to look at the, some of the new innovations in healthcare that are going to continue to increase costs. They are positive innovations. We've got to wrestle with that. There are a number of drugs that are coming on the market now and in the next couple of years that may be a million dollars a year, uh, but they can cure diseases we didn't have before. Uh, we look at the pricing um, for, for various diseases to address something like Alzheimer's, which we know costs us so much as a society, um, but those therapies may be expensive. But what's you know, what's the benefit? We have to look at the cost benefit of some of these drugs. And so um, when we, we look at healthcare costs, yes, uh, we have to find some way to bend that long-term cost curve. Uh, but we also have to recognize that we can do more in healthcare than we've ever been able to do before um, to treat cancers. Um, you know, we have people that are living sometimes now with their second or third cancer. It's, we can treat it as a chronic disease now, um, whereas before many diagnoses would have been fatal. There are costs involved with that, but the reality is that we also are able to extend lives. So I think over the next few years, Abdul, that's something we're really going to have to wrestle with. There's this sort of cost-benefit analysis of some of these new therapies. Uh, what about... Uh any other issues out there? Because I know one issue in particular has been uh, letting pharmacists uh, issue birth control. Mm -hmm. 
we have not taken a specific position on that, um, but I, what I would say is uh, when we look at the sort of direction of, of healthcare, we do need to to find more access points uh, for Hoosiers to safely get care. Uh, the reality is we have a tremendous shortage of, of physicians. Um, you know, telehealth has helped um, certainly deliver care, uh, behavioral uh, health services. A lot of us relied on telehealth through the pandemic. Um, but but also, you know, access points uh, like going to a pharmacist to receive excuse me, certain vaccinations or something like birth control, I think we really need to look at that because that is also a way that we can reduce costs by opening up those uh, additional access points. Of course, it has to be done uh, safely. Not sure where that ends up this session in the General Assembly. I think the fact that it's birth control adds a whole Whole other level to that discussion. But we have seen over the last few years, pharmacists, their roles expanded to be uh, to deliver um, additional vaccines. I, I know that's where I've gotten um, uh, you know, shingles, COVID, and other other vaccinations from pharmacists. So I do think we need to look at empowering um, others, the non-physician providers who are well-trained. You know the issues out there, my friend, that uh, the audience should be aware of? No, uh, a lot at the federal level. I think you know that's going to be an issue that's getting uh, uh, health issues are going to be back on, I think, significantly the the front burner on the federal level. I don't think it'll necessarily be repeal and replace of the ACA. But with the deficit uh, concerns, a lot of conversation about Medicare. And, uh, you know, we certainly want to make sure that Medicare is protected, access for for seniors. Uh, We do worry about cuts uh, to providers in the Medicare uh, program, a lot of conversation around Medicare Advantage. Uh, and I guess lastly, I do all say that because this relates to a lot of conversation at the federal level, Congressman Larry Bashan is a huge champion of this. Um, and it's also legislators are looking at here uh, in the General Assembly. One major way we can save costs is reducing the administrative burden for physicians and nurses and others who work in the hospital. The prior authorization, the paperwork, the burden uh, that is placed on, uh, on on those that are trying to deliver care from insurance companies uh, is is just it's it's grown exponentially. I'm pleased to see that some insurers have announced they're going to start dialing it back, but that's been a big area of legislation, and we need help to reduce uh, that uh, all that paperwork and that red tape. That will absolutely lower cost. All right. Well, our guest from today has been our good friend, Brian Tabor. Brian is the head of the Indiana Hospital Association. Brian, my friend, always good to chat with you. Uh, looks like we'll be having fun over the next couple of weeks and some change. It's going to be a wild ride. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.